All right, guys, what is going on today? I am super excited for this conversation for you guys. Today we have Sean Suttle on the podcast, and I'm really excited for the next coming weeks. I've had some podcast guests that I've wanted to get on. It's just been hard to navigate schedules with them, and we were lucky to get this done today on a Friday morning, and I've got some exciting ones coming up for you guys over the coming weeks here. But Sean's a pretty incredible story. He's an amazing person, and he's actually helping us out with uh, Lewis center, the, the future friendship location that we're working on. And so I've been really lucky to be able to spend more and more time with Sean. And the more I get to know him, the more blown away I am. He's just a truly incredible person with awesome insights, a huge heart. He's super passionate and positive, and I just I, I truly love all my interactions with him. But today we're going to have a discussion about his journey at Friendship Fitness, where he's lost uh, almost 115 pounds to date since starting with us about a year and a half ago. He discusses how his mindset has kind of grown and evolved through that and what it takes to do something like that. And then also the implications, what that means for him as a parent, as a father, as a spouse, and in his family life, as well as his professional life, where he owns his own business. And we kind of dive into each of these topics. Now, I have edited this one a little bit. And what I did was I took the sports talk that we have and put it at the end. So you'll hear a little chime about a half hour or so through and we'll jump in the conversation and discuss a little bit more about uh, his mindset and a little bit more about, you know, entrepreneurship and business ownership and, um, you know, his thought processes going from kind of the bottom rungs of a business to owning it now and what that looks like. And then at the end, we're going to shift and move our sports discussion to the ends because Sean and I are both very passionate Cleveland sports fans. It's one of the things that we bond over. We're in the middle of football season right now. So I just thought it'd be fun for us to have just kind of a fun conversation about just growing up Cleveland sports fans and having that in the household and how we've grown and matured as uh, Cleveland sports fans. And, you know, he just talks about things about, uh, you know, how he doesn't let it ruin his Sundays when the Browns play bad and stuff. So I wrap up and I move that conversation to the end uh, for those of you guys who may not be interested in sports talk. So thank you guys. I hope you enjoy this one. I'm excited to get back onto some t- uh, Sunday chats. And, you know, this is one of my huge passions and reasons that I love doing the podcast in the first place. So I hope you enjoy. what is going on today we are here with none other than the sean subtle breaking back in and we are a coffee chat today which is exciting i've got coffee you don't uh so sean why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself a little bit about uh kind of how long you've been at friendship and then uh, we'll kind of dive into the journey from there all right are you allowed to use the word the in front of the ohio state trademark that yet or no the trademark failed okay i checked in on that okay yeah so we can kind of uh i think we can freely use the or okay. the however we like okay. which is good so um a little bit about me so i am 45 from youngstown ohio originally nice. came to Columbus in 1993 to go to college and um, <clears throat> went to Ohio State for a few years, um, dropped out, went back, uh, finished a degree in construction management, met my wife, got married, 
and um, worked for uh, Hamlin Rinaldi Construction. Nice. Had the opportunity to buy the company in 2013. Um, two kids, Jack and Maggie. Jack is 12. Maggie is 10. We live in Worthington and um, pretty typical nice. family life. And what schools do Jack and Maggie go to now? Uh, Jack goes to Kilbourne um, Middle School and Maggie goes to Evening Street Elementary. And Kilbourne just got a rework, right? They're like rebuilding something. Um, no, they, maybe that's coming in the future. No, they, um, even the, the community is growing. Yeah. So I imagine they go through this process every 20 or 30 years as, you know, when we moved into our neighborhood, it was an influx of a bunch of people my age with young kids. Yeah. All the older folks were moving out. Yep. So I would imagine the school does have that issue every 20 or 30 years. Right. But um, with the way that Columbus is growing, some new um, multifamily um, units coming to Worthington, they need to um, they need to look at you know what they're going to do with those schools. So Evening yeah. Street's going to expand, I think. Um, Phoenix Middle School is going to expand, yep. um, but Kilbourne, I mean, that's an old old building. Has right. to be one of the oldest buildings in Worthington, maybe. right? Um, yeah, but I don't I don't think they're expanding yet. They'll just nice. redistrict some things there. That's awesome. And then high school soon. Yeah, we Thomas. got. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. Seventh grade, so yeah. seventh eighth, and Thomas, yep. and um, it'll be it'll be interesting. You know, Maggie is you know um, fifth grade, so she'll do sixth grade at, at Kilbourne because okay. of the um, yeah, Worthington's finally population. making the changeover. And uh, so yeah, it's crazy that you know both of our kids are out of grade school yeah. and middle school, and it's it really does. People say it happens so quick, but yeah. I mean literally the blink of an eye, and um, you know, you try to prepare for it, but man, it, yeah. it comes quick. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, we were talking about that the other day. It's like we, we did, you know, Karen in class the other day and, uh, I did not do well at all. And, you know, I think people have an expectation for that workout uh, for me to do, do well. And I looked at Janie and I go, you know, it's been over four years since I last did that workout, which I did in competition. And I like looked at her, I was like, it's, it's crazy to think that that was that long, four yeah. years ago. Um, and that was, you know, it's, I can't imagine when you see how quickly these kids in the kids class grow, like you see like a Nathan and a Julia and you look at pictures when they first joined and you're like, that was only five years ago. Like they're completely different human beings at this point. And people tell you all the time, like, people older than you. My dad says it all the time. Like enjoy it now. It, it yeah. goes, the older you get, the quicker it goes. Right. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're just, you're caught up in the moment, right? right? You're just trying to get through the next day or through the, through the week, through the month. And then here we are, you know, I'm like right. hanging out with my 12 year old son and his buddies. And we're joking about the same thing. Right. Which is really cool. Yeah. But like, you know, it was in diapers a few days ago, like right. where did the time go? Yeah, for sure. Um, so it is, it just, it goes quick. So, you know, hold on to it, I guess. Is, yeah. Is the, well, and you know, you get a lot of parents who get the kids in the, the, the much younger zones, the, you know, ones, three fives. And you can tell like, you know, they, they struggle with things and you know, they have good days and bad days and they'll come in and they'll just be like, yeah, you know, they're just on this terror. Like they're just disobeying me at every step and it's really frustrating or, you know, I'm not sleeping or this and that. And Ryan always says that Ryan's always like, 
just enjoy it. It's like, it's, it's, you're always going to be able to find something to complain about with kids. Like right. there's always something that's not perfect <clears throat> until they get to like Rye, who's like probably as near a perfect right. house right. you can get to at 17. Yeah, um, you but know. you get to that zone and, and it's just like, yeah, you can find something to complain about. Sure. But just, just enjoy it. You, you have to really, I mean, you have to really be able to take a step back in the moment. Like you get so frustrated just trying to get through the day yeah. or the week. And it's like, all right, what? You know, this isn't the biggest problem, right. you know, in my life, whatever this kid's going through. Like, yeah. He's acting normal for a kid. And, right. and you forget that sometimes. Like, why is he acting like that? Why is he doing this? And it's like, well, he's supposed to act that way. He's yeah. 12 years old. So, um, and we go through that with, with both of our kids where they go, you know, in these cycles where like, for three months, they're amazing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like for a week, they're melting down. And right. like, you know, Jack, the other day, my 12 year old, like literally throwing a fit because he doesn't want to do homework. And yeah. it's like, all right, well, he was up late watching the Browns game. He yep. was, um, you know, had a long week of school. He's just getting home from soccer practice. Yep. This assignment's a little harder than, you know, yep. he anticipated. And so, yeah, he's melting down. Like, yeah, right. So it's like, dude, just go to bed. We'll do it in the morning. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. It's not worth the fight, right? right. At the time. So. Yeah, everything's so temporary and fleeting at that age. Right. That it just like you're just kinda like, nah. Yeah. I was having that conversation with a, a couple yesterday who's um, you know, daughters in college and you're just kinda talking to them and uh, you know, her first year was normal struggles. You know, she she drank a lot, she partied, she didn't stick with any sort of nutrition this is a girl you know likes working out and, um you know and they put on weight and right then they struggle with confidence and then they you know there's other things that come from that also and you start getting into relationships with probably people you shouldn't be and it just kind of devolves into this thing and you're like you know what but like that's the learning lesson that you're going to get in college like yeah. this that's that's what you're there for you're right. there to that's, fail they have to figure you have to figure that out themselves, right, right? like you without can, that you know safety blanket there <laughs> You could, I mean, I'm sure you see it all the time with people that you work with and, you know, just, you know, thinking back to like just life lessons or like things, you know, your parents would tell you like, yeah, yeah. whatever, like, yeah, great. Thanks for telling me that. But you don't, you just, you go and do it anyway and you yeah, have to right. figure out on your own and you gotta, you gotta fail or succeed and see how things work and yep. make your own way. And, um, I think we forget that sometimes as parents, like. We try to we try to coddle our kids so much and not let them fail, and it's right. like, well, no. I mean, he's got to figure out let him fail because if we keep doing the same thing, you know, over and over, helping them, propping them up, I mean, what good does that really do him? Because one day we're not going to be there, right? right? Exactly. So yeah, yeah. It's but it's tough. I mean, it's tough as a parent, yeah, to watch your kid fail, right? For sure. Yeah, and that statement is kind of the one that you always. That's the battle, right? So is you know. You got to let them scrape their knee, bang their head when yeah. they're real little. You got to let them fail a test or, you know, struggle with something and, you know, have I, all I keep, that stuff happen. I keep going back to Jack because he's, he's, he does competitive sports and we, you know, we pay a lot of money for him to play soccer and, yeah. and time too. Like we travel, you know, we're going to Dayton every weekend or Indianapolis for a tournament and. You know, I'm, I'm watching him practice. We go out to Hilliard three times a week from Worthington, and it's like, you know, you're not giving 100% in practice. Right. Why? Yeah. Why not? Well, you know, it's just practice. I'm tired, this and that. It's like, well, you know, that's fine. If you want to, you know, if that's what you want to do at practice, just hang out with your friends. Yeah. Great. We'll go play rec soccer. Yeah. And I'm not going to travel. I'm not. Yep. And that's totally your decision. Yep. Not mine. 
And it's like, we'd have these battles, you know, and we'd fight and we'd fight and we'd fight. And, uh, just, we weren't getting anywhere. And I was just like, you know what? Here's what, here's what it is. I'm not going to say one more word yeah. the rest of the season and we'll have a talk and I'll tell you what I saw. You tell me what you thought and we'll decide if you're going to play a competitive soccer next year. Yep. And that was, it was awesome. Like he, he turned it on, right? Yep. It wasn't, it wasn't me harping on him, taking the joy out of it. Yep. And you know, it's sort of the same with the games. Like, um, what, what do you want to do? Like, what do right. you want to be? What kind of soccer player do you want to be? Yeah. Do you want to be the kid that just goes out there and plays or do you want to be a leader on the field? Because at this level, you know, there might be one kid who's head and shoulders talent above everyone, but for the most part, they're all talented kids and it's the work ethic that's going to make the difference, right? right. Are you going to outwork somebody? And what a hard concept <laughs> to teach a kid or to try to get a kid to understand at 12 years old, you know, how do you, I mean, and I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. Know? Right. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you get the secret to that one, you can write a book. Yeah. And make retire. millions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So own a business, traveling for soccer, two kids. Yep. Um, how do you juggle in? Let's, let's, we'll transition over to fitness a little bit. Okay. I think a lot of people would look at that and kind of see like, man, like, all right, traveling a lot for travel soccer. You know, a lot of parents that we have are kind of dealing with that, but you know, owning your own business and in a business that I think time wise can be, you know, really not conducive to, to that. Um, so it kind of tell me a little bit about your, your kind of fitness journey, you know, how you look at that from a priority perspective and, um, you know, kind of go through some of the ebbs and flows of, of that as it pertains both to business, but also your personal life. Yeah. So, um, I'll start with like my fitness journey. So I have always <clears throat> been up and down in weight. Um, I mean, I can remember back to, um, fifth grade I had to be fifth and sixth grade football. I wanted to play football. And, um, I was overweight then my dad said, all right, you want to play football, lose 20 pounds. So I lost 20 pounds. I don't know if it was so much. Did I want to play football? Yeah. But you want to, all my friends were playing football right? and I sure as hell didn't want to be left out of that group. Right. Yep. So it started from then. So like at a young age, always up and down, um, battling weight, um, grew up in an Italian family, um, Ate spaghetti dinner at my grandma's every Sunday. If you were happy, you ate. If you yep. were sad, you ate. If you were sick, you ate. Yeah. If you were depressed. And there's ate. no choice. Yeah. It was like, the, I mean, <laughs> this is, so I always joke and I'm going to digress here a bit. Like, um, we'd go every Sunday, 1130 mass, 1130 mass is over. We'd go to my grandma's house. My mom's whole side of the family would be there. We'd walk in the door, walk downstairs because she had a uh, kitchen. My grandma had a kitchen in her basement. Grab a piece of bread, dip it in the sauce, and that was the first thing you ate, right? Yeah. The guys would all be sitting on the couch watching sports. Women would set the table. So you'd eat about 1.30. All the guys would get up, go back to the couch. The women would do the dishes, and then you'd eat again at like 4.30, and then you'd go home with leftovers. Yeah. And so I always joke with my, with my wife, who is um, very well-educated, um, very much um a very strong woman yeah that, you know when i was young i said man <laughs> I, was say, I can't think? wait to get married this is great i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna have dinner served to me i'm gonna go sit and watch you know tv when it's over and uh my wife doesn't cook at all right. i do all the cooking in the house um but yeah that was um was 
you know, and thinking about it, like just that food component, always being around food yeah. and family, like yeah. that's what I associate. It's so with. cultural and it's so like ingrained in you. Right. And so anytime, you know, you were stressed out or any, like you turned to food because that's what me, that's, you, it would take you back to that happy time of being with family. Right. Right. At least that's what I think it was. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so always up and down. Um, when I went to high school, I played football, I wrestled. But it was always like, you know, I was always overweight. Like, you got to lose weight. You got to lose weight. You got to lose weight. So that was like the theme of it. And, um, you know, I mean, you, you just you get in that yo-yo cycle where you lose and you, you lose and you gain and lose and you gain. And so I had found myself, um, this is like last April, at 350 pounds. And I had, had a stint at Friendship before that. And I got an email and... um it sort of just came at the right time. I had gone to a physical, um, and the doctor at the time, who was a family friend from Youngstown, was like, um, asked how the kids were doing. I'll never forget this. Um, I said, good. And she goes, too bad you're not going to be around to see him graduate. Whoa. Whoa, right? Yeah. I'm like, this, who is this lady? Yeah, right? geez, but that's like straight to the... It was a gut punch. Yeah, right. Because I knew she was right. Yep. And so... You know, thinking, you know, raising these kids, um, not really being able to be active with them like I wanted to, knowing they had to navigate through a school year or like navigate school. Like, I, you know, it's hard enough for a kid to get through school. Right. They don't need a dad who's 350 pounds that, you know, kids see that shit. Right. I mean, they know, um, they know what's going on. So combination of all those things you sent the email um i came in i met with ellie and i basically made up my mind that this is what i'm going to do and so um i've been doing it for over a year now which is probably the longest sustained weight loss in in my life yeah, you're probably um, coming up on almost a full year and a half yeah, yeah so it'll be yeah, yeah two years in april but um over a hundred pounds still down, um, working out at least four times a week. So how do you make that happen? And, um, you just, you make the decision that that's going to be a part of your life and you do it. Right. I mean, there's no, um, there's no secret formula or anything. Now I have a very supportive wife yeah. who supports this endeavor, um, and makes it work. I have a flexible work schedule. Um, that makes it work, but it's just that it's just that desire. And now, I mean, you talked about the 12th step, right? Mentorship, which I'm not there yet, but like, um, the accountability piece, like, you know, right. The, so your life sort of changes too, right? Like you go from, these are your group of friends. These are the people you hang out with. These are, these are what their goals are. This is what their life is like. And you start realizing that your goals aren't aligned with those people. So, um, like get, get with like-minded people right? and those people hold you accountable. Yeah. And so that accountability piece, um, has been amazing with friendship. So yeah, that's, that's how I've, I've been able to stick to it. And now, like I said, Amanda, um, she gets up every morning at five. She's, um, she teaches in Licking Valley. So she's on the road by six, six thirty. Yep. She's home by four. Um, I take, we switch off taking Jack to soccer practice. So it's a little hectic during this time of year, but you know, that's, I'm getting in there four times a week. Yeah. 
that's what I need to do. Um, and everything basically, I, I think the other realization is everything plateaus off of that, right? Like me getting into the gym and working out puts me in the right mindset to be a better husband, a better father, and to focus on the business yeah. tasks that I need to focus on. And I think that that's, you know, that's a realization that I think a lot of people just really lose sight of. And it really gives you a good firm why on days when you, know, you don't have a great workout or you don't feel like a million bucks or, um, you know, you get your butt kicked, which happens to everybody. But if you're being real hard on yourself from like a performance end of things, then you're kind of like that, that can be really dejecting. But if you have that understanding on the back end where it's like, you know, but I do feel more alert. I have more energy. I, you know, my mental aptitude is, is sharp right now. Right. Two hours after the workout. And because of that, you know, I am able to elevate the rest of my life. And I think that that sometimes is like, really, that should be enough. Like that should kind of be, should be it. And so I think the fact that you can keep that, you know, right in front of you, you know, in your headlights, I think yeah. is, is key. I mean, I think the other thing too, is what, you know, thinking about time frame, like the longest I've ever had a sustained, you know, weight loss or stayed with a, I don't even want to call it exercise program because now I feel like it's like part of my life, right? right. Um, is in that first year, like you lose a hundred pounds like that. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, that keeps you motivated and right. keeps you going. Well, now there's, there's days where I'm like, man, my, that workout sucked. Yep. Um, I felt like, you know, I, you know, did I give it everything I had? Did I, did I work as hard as I could have? Yeah. And so what I sort of come to realize is you're, like you said, you're going to have days like that and it's okay. Yep. It doesn't matter because the important thing is, is getting in there right. and going through it. Right. Right. And you're just, you're going to have those ebbs and flows and you got to keep that end goal in mind. And, you know, my end goal is, you know, to get down to eventually 200 pounds and, right. you know, be able to be 50 years old and yeah. throw the football with my kid or, yep. you know, run around the, the neighborhood or get on a bike and ride a bike. Yeah. And, you know, be the fun dad that's out there, yeah. you know, but it's that dopamine hit that you're that when you see the number on the scale and it shows nine pounds, it shows 12, yeah. pounds, it shows 10 yeah. pounds that like dopamine rush to you is like, it gets really addictive. And it's the same thing with people with PRs. It's the same thing with people with, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's the whole concept behind like a, like an orange theory. It's why they give you, you know, Oh, you got more spot points today than you did before. Right. You know, you did this, you did that. And that those little dopamine hits are, you're like, Oh, awesome. Like I did better. And once those become fleeting, that's like the trial of, all right, do we actually have this as are a habit? Gonna, are yeah. you going to stick with it? Right. And that's the other hard thing is like, you know, one of the things that I've been working with, um, Andy on and I, and I work with Andy once a week. Um, is so it's like plateaued yeah. and I'm like, dude, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm still eating really clean. And he's like, well, how much are you eating? And I told him and he's like, that's insane. Like, right. what are you doing? Like, that's nowhere near enough calories. Like right. you've got to double that. Yep. And I'm like, what? And so fighting that your whole life, like, all right, when I lost weight, it was, you know, minimal calories, yep. high exercise output. And, um, you get, you get focused on that. You get focused on that number on the scale Yeah. and to really get away from that and say like, you know, Andy's like, well, what do you care what the number on the scale says? Like, yeah. how do you feel? 
I feel amazing. Right. And so like change your mindset to get away from looking at the number on the scale to yeah. how do you feel? How do your clothes fit? You know, can, can you run around with your kids and not be winded? Yep. Those are the important things. Right. And who does care about that number? I don't care. I mean, yeah, I mean, 45, who gives a shit, right? I don't care what that number says. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where, uh, and you sent, you sent me that article. I don't know if you remember oh, what yeah. that dude wrote. Yeah. And he talks all about through that, that journey of how, what, what is actually going on chemically is we're actually, as we're losing weight, we're also dropping our metabolic rate. Right. And that creates that vicious cycle where if we do like fall off a little bit because we've dropped like our, um, you know, base metabolic rate so low and we've, yeah. we're, we're cutting muscle mass and fat together. Um, it creates this vicious cycle that has claimed like every biggest loser challenge winner. And, and it, and it, it creates that dude. I lived it. I mean, that's right. what I did for years yep. and years and years and years. I would, I mean, I would remember like, you know, eating like 600 calories a day. Right. And, you know, and I'd lose this weight I'd feel great. But then, like, Oh yeah, it's going to work. Like there's no doubt it's going right. to work. Right. Just like, you know, <laughs> just like when I got the norovirus, like eating right. 17 pounds right in a week, it's like, Oh, it's amazing. But you know, it's, it's obviously like for your longevity and your health, like right. that's not going to be the best thing for you, but that's where coaching comes in. I mean, that's where having somebody like Andy and a lot of times the third party, like just taking in somebody who's objective and has the awareness, knowledge and information of, you know, kind of, right. okay, cool. Like you've been, successful, you know, let's put it in, put it in air quotes. Like you, you've lost the weight here. Right. Um, and we're to a great place now and we're consistent and we have some good discipline there and that's a fantastic starting structure. But now like, let's get you, let's get you dialed in for the, you know, the long run. Right. And that's, you know, um, and like that, you know, you go through some of these workouts and, and they get progressively harder. Right. And like you forget, you, know, you get to a point, you're like, man, that workout felt great. I got through it. It was amazing. Um, and then I'd go do another one with Andy and I'm like, I can't breathe. Right. Like I'm, I'm dying. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, why am I winded? And he's like, well, you're doing more. It's more capacity. So it's like, yep. you get to those points and you keep building and it's like, yeah. it doesn't ever get easier. Ever. Right. Like, ever. And, and I think you had mentioned it in one of your previous podcasts where people come in and, and say, yeah, I'm really committed. I want to do it. I want to, I want to look like Maria or I want to look like, you know, somebody in the gym who, who just is on top of their game. Yeah. And it's like, well, are you ready to commit 10 years right. to do that? Right. And you think about that time frame because we're so ingrained, right? In today's society, like, you know, six minute abs, yeah, <laughs> like right. whatever, like it's, it's not Flash a quick fix. Like I've, I've, you know, and my dad used to say it all the time, like, well, how long did it take you to get that way? It didn't take you a year to put all that weight on. Right, like, right. so it's going to take you longer than a year to get to where you need to be. And so, um, so yeah, it's just, you know, well, and the other way, the other analogy to that, that I always put to is if we go outside right now and we're like, Hey, I want to tear my truck to pieces. Like let's just ride the ever living shit out of this thing and just tear it down. We could do that easily in probably 15 minutes, right? right? Just redline it and take it through hills and take it through ditches and run through trees and have the whole thing torn apart in 15 minutes. But if you're like, Hey, I want this car to last me another 25 years, that daily maintenance, like the discipline of making sure that like, you know, you're cleaning everything. I've and never taken it over 3000 RPM. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, you know, you're the, the snail grandma coming off right. of every red light, it, you know, but that's a lot harder of a test. Um, and, and it shows a much more kind of consistent discipline. Well, that's where that mental piece comes in. Right. It's right. like, 
you know, like you said, after a year, that dopamine's gone. Like, right. All like the congratulations are gone. The, you've yeah. gotten all the hey, you look great. Those those aren't coming yep. as frequently. Right. Um, so you're not getting those dopamine hits. So it just becomes the daily grind again. Right. right? Yeah. And it's that's, just you you versus you essentially. Right. And it's you know. And again, I go go back to the kids and talking about working hard at soccer practice. It's like I'm a 45 year old man, and that grind is tough. Right. So how do I expect you like? a 12 year old to figure it out. Like right. it takes a long time. He's not going to figure it out overnight. Right. And just keeping that, but it helps you with that conversation as a parent, probably just having gone through it, which I think is probably huge also. Well, and it was a great time in my life because the kids were at that age where they saw me yeah. go through that process. Right. And actions always speak louder than words. Right. Exactly. So yeah. that gives a lot, you know, now my words hold more weight yeah when i tell them those things like you know work hard my daddy said all the time work hard good things will happen yeah. right and that's such a simple phrase but man yeah. it is you know it's true yeah there's a lot of those like kind of so we talked when we talked last week at, um you know we had some follow-up texts and you know i think we ended the follow-up text with saying something along the lines of you know you you disobey or you you know you don't understand your parents like you don't get what they're saying right and it's like until you realize that like they were kind of right all along and that that wisdom that you gain over the years and they're being able to look as a third party objectively which is always super easy and so you're you're looking with wisdom and you're looking down on an issue that you're not necessarily emotionally tied to gets really easy to give advice and so you get these little like quips but then as the kid in it the emotion like you're so emotional right into it you've got all these other factors and like you know girls are gonna think this my teacher's gonna think that my soccer coach is gonna think that and what if this and you've got all these other things that are just kind of pulling you every direction and and it gets so hard to make the right choices and so a lot of times you get the right advice but you're just not in a place emotionally to take it at all. And it sounds like that's where, you know, I love talking to you about your dad because it sounds like your dad was just like one big nugget of, of uh, wisdom and yeah. oh, was kicking yeah. it your way the whole time. But, um, but where you were at, it just wasn't, wasn't, you weren't in receive mode. Yeah. So like two things there is like, as a parent, you need to realize that your kids are being pulled in all those different directions and because a lot of times you're like, why don't you just understand this? Right. Right. And they're not going to get it because all those external factors. And I, I can remember, I can remember the day that I finally thought that my dad wasn't an asshole. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I hated him growing up and I could throw these, we could do a whole podcast of my dad's one liners, but I remember, you know, I tell him, I hate you. And he goes, I don't care. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here yeah. to be your father. Right. Yeah. I'm like, what a jerk, you know, like, <laughs> but, um, when I, so I went to Youngstown state my first year, um, I was always a good student. My senior year of high school, I sort of dicked around, um, grades dropped to like a 3.0. Yeah. And I got accepted to John Carroll. Ohio State, Bowling Green, and Youngstown State. And I want to go to John Carroll. All my friends were going there. And my dad's like, it's too much money. And, you know, I need to know you're serious about school. Mm-hmm. So how about Youngstown State your first year? Super unhappy about it. All your friends are going away. Yep. I end up going to Youngstown State. Did fine. Um, and I go to Ohio State that next year. And I remember saying, we, I went to University Village where I lived. <laughs> I remember we spent the whole weekend there unpacked, moved in with two buddies, 
And uh, when I went to say goodbye to my dad, I mean, I that's when I was like, one, I was super sad. Yeah. And I was sad because I had realized like all that not like he made me who I was. Right. Yeah. Like all, he was never being an asshole. It right. was preparing me for this moment. Yeah. And it was awesome. So, um, and now we're best friends. Um, so, uh, you know, trying to, trying to remember all those lessons. And I parent a little different. I mean, he was more of a disciplinarian. Yeah. Um, Mand always says, if you know better, you do better. Um, but you know, taking all those lessons and trying to, um, instill those in my kids, uh, is very important. I had, I had the best teacher. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people say that about their dad, but yeah. you know, he was a guy who he Vietnam vet, got drafted. He was stationed in Germany. His brother got a low draft number. His dad wrote him and said, you got to go, you got to sign up. You got to go to Vietnam because if Tommy goes over there, he'll get killed. Yeah. Signs up, goes over there, does a tour, does a second tour, gets injured, comes home. Um, pretty normal life from there. Met my mom. Was working at a bakery. Eventually worked at First Energy. So no college degree. Yeah. Was a lineman, climbed poles, first energy, moved his way up, um, was the director of operations for Northeast Ohio when he retired. Patriarch of the family, just the type of guy that you see, like, just a leader, right? Yeah. And um, just, you know, that's how he made his way. Like, he worked hard, um, worked two or three jobs. When we were young, I remember he's always working side jobs. Yeah. Always stuck it up. I mean, it sounds like, you know, it's like one of those things you stay step up. Well, when, I mean, his, he, I mean he came from nothing, right? His family, yeah. his dad was like a meat salesman, yeah. um, I think. And, you know, so he, I remember him taking care of his, his parents. You know, he was always, like I said, the patriarch of the family. Anytime there was a death or, a, or an emergency or something, he was the guy who um, took care of it all. Yeah. And, you know, you're sitting there and, you, you know, at the time you don't you don't realize you just think that's this is normal and commonplace but it's not and and that's i thank him all the time um the best thing he gave me was my work ethic yeah i mean that's that's number one and then you know just how to be a good man yeah and i had a you know that's what i want to do for my kids make you know be a good man um be a good example to them both jack and maggie so All right, guys, quick break for me here. We're going to jump around a little bit in the conversation now and discuss a little bit about Sean's mindset, have a little bit of a discussion about entrepreneurship and owning a business and kind of, you know, just some work ethic things and discussing a little bit about how you can kind of create your own path like Sean did. And then we're going to jump back at the end when we kind of dive pretty deep into Cleveland sports. So I thought this would be a better, more natural next evolution to the conversation. And if you guys are not interested interested at sports. I'll do a break again before the Cleveland sports and you guys can see if you want to listen to that. Thanks. Um, last thing I want to touch on real quick is, uh, just kind of mindset stuff. You know, we talk a lot about this and I know you're, you listen to this podcast, but also just kind of want to think or talk a little bit about, um, kind of how you approach some of your mindset stuff, because I think in talking with you now and um, you know, having a little bit deeper discussions. I think you just have such a, a fantastic, you know, mindset towards how you approach 
health, fitness, family work. You know, we talk a lot about business and entrepreneur stuff. And, um, you know, I think I, I just don't always really enjoy kind of talking through where your headspace is at. So talk me through a little bit about kind of where, what you do for that. Yeah. I mean, for, um, I'm, I'm pretty simple when it comes to mindset stuff. Um, I talked a little bit about, uh, my dad always having that saying, work hard, good things will happen. Yeah. Um, that to me for, um, the gym piece, that's real easy, right? Like I need to go in there and work hard. Yeah. I'm capable of doing that every day, no matter if I'm feeling great or if I'm not feeling great, it's not really a complex yep. situation. Yep. I just need to go in there and grind. So as far as mindset for that, it's, um, you know, making the commitment to get there. And once I'm there working as hard as I can that day, yeah. um, that's pretty easy. Now on the, on the relationship, you know, husband, father side, yeah. that is, um, it's not that easy. So my mindset for that, um, is really something that I've probably only started focusing on, uh, since starting friendship and then going through some leadership classes, um, and just really thinking, um, about those topics, especially going through with Jack about, um, you know, relationships, positivity, um, positive, you know, upward spiral versus a downward spiral. And you go through some of those things and you think, um, this is just hocus pocus, right? This is like, I don't, this is wellness stuff. Who needs it? Right. Like I'm just a blue collar, hardworking guy. I don't need to think about that stuff, but you really do think need to think about it. And, um, those, you know, and mindset things that have really helped me is, um, that, those downward spirals just staying positive um in in my relationship with amanda i mean it's we're at a point um you know we've been together it'll be 15 years married in february i think we dated for seven years prior to that um and you know that relationship has been uh, you know it's like every relationship it's evolved i mean we went from living together to getting married um, buying a house, having a dog, having a kid. Um, you know, we had some, you know, we went through some things that, you know, we had some trouble getting pregnant in the beginning. Um, so, you know, major career changes for both. Oh, major career changes. She wanted to Amanda, um, way more educated than I am. She has a master's degree in public health. She worked for the state of Ohio. She did a bunch of stuff with, um, um, grant um she put the programs together for like schools would have to write a grant for like domestic violence education hiv education she was great at it um her mom was a teacher she always wanted to be a teacher her mom said you don't want to be a teacher yeah jack was born um and said um i want to be a teacher and i'm like all right we just we have a house um you want to quit your job uh we got daycare how is this going to happen? So, and this is just sort of a realization right now and thinking about mindset. I, I've always been a pretty positive person and I've always, um, you know, you definitely let some of those negative what ifs creep in, but for the most part, I've always been really positive. And, uh, I tell people that I've always just sort of bet on myself yeah, and said, all right, well, this seems impossible. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, my financial guy says not to touch your 401k, but I think that's what I'm going to do because I don't want to go into debt. Yep. We'll find a way. We'll figure it out. Right. So that's what we did. Amanda goes through school. 
And honestly, it's been the best decision ever because she's home and the kids are home. She's way happier. Um, it was definitely a struggle when we were in it, but you know, you, you know, what do you do? I mean, you, you, your mindset is you either give up and you go to the corner and you cry about it right? or you live to fight another day. Yep. And I think that's okay. Like it doesn't have to be roses every time, right? right. Like it's get through the day. We're going to figure it out. Um, are you still happy doing what you're, you're doing here? Going to school? Is this still the path? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. We'll, we'll get through it, right? right? So, and you know, you make those little daily sacrifices of you know you're spending more time with the kid, or you're doing all the laundry, or who cares? I mean, that's yeah. such. I mean, you get people get fired up about that, but you know, put it in perspective. Right? right that's exactly. like those are easy, menial tasks. Like, right. Get them done. So, um, so yeah, that was. Um, a great decision. Um, she's super happy. She's in a great school district in Licking Valley and she is, I mean, this is what she was meant to do. Like, I think very few people have the opportunity, um, to do what they were put on this earth to do. Right. She's an amazing teacher. I can't, I mean, the amount of effort and time she puts into it. Um, she probably puts more time into teaching than I put into running a business. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, what a gift. I, I think it's one of those things when you watch a great teacher, I think you you just sit back and you're like, you're going to impact so many lives so positively. And like that's, I, it's, I mean, I, I feel that way when I'm around Chris Sansbury, like when I watch him coach, yeah. you watch him run like a basketball practice and you watch him teach and you watch him interact with kids and you're just like. And she gets like one or two letters a year from like these kids who yeah. like nobody gave a chance to. And right. she went the extra mile to like. You don't have to, what do you like to read? You don't need to read Shakespeare. Tell right. me what you like. What yep. do you like? I'm going to find a book for you. Yeah. And like these kids who are like, you, you know, get A's in English and, you know, might be thinking about community college because Licking Valley is sort of a rural school. Yeah. A lot of those kids don't have college on the radar. Um, like what, a, like you said, just to get a letter like that from a kid. I mean, I, I'll read it and get emotional. Like, yeah, right. holy moly, like you're out there doing you're out there doing real work, like making a a difference. So, so yeah, you get through that. Um, I mean, I didn't think we were going to make it with two kids in daycare. I went, you know, I was, I finished college right before we got married. So I started, I started, I went from bartending. I started at handling Rinaldi. When I started there, I was making 12 bucks an hour. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, what do you think? I'm like, you know, I think it's going to be fine. Like, I'll be fine. Like I'll, you're going to bet on yourself. Like right. I'm going to get in here and I'm going to work as hard as I can and hope somebody notices. Yep. Um, I, I shouldn't use the word hope. You're going to make somebody notice. Right? right. Yeah. So I get in there and, um, 2005 from a, my, um, you met Ed. Rinaldi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. His nephew was one of my friends in college, came to our wedding said, Hey, I'm working at Hanlon Rinaldi. I see you're graduating construction management. Um, I'm leaving. They need an assistant estimator. Are you interested? Yeah. So I go and interview with Ed. He hires me, um, worked 2005 to 2010. That's really when commercial construction was affected by the great recession. Yep. There was three owners of the company. Um, one left with two guys who were left. One was me, one was Ed. Came to me and another guy and said, hey, if you guys stay with us, um, we'll give you the opportunity to buy the company yeah. in three years. 
well, where were we going to go? Yeah. Right? right. And I had made, you know, I had bumped up in salary um, through the years. Had some people had left and um, I think this is important too. Like some people had left and went and worked for other companies and they were trying to get me to go work for those companies. Right. Um, and I went and I was always honest. Ed was my guy. And I was like, Hey, I interviewed with these guys. You're paying me, you know, 60 grand a year. They offered me 70. I, I love working here, yeah. but I got to make this move. I mean, it's a family decision. And he's like, um, if we match it, we stay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to stay. Yeah. And it was always, um, I think that loyalty piece, Yeah, you don't see a lot anymore. Right. Um, so sure enough, I stay on 2013 rolls around. They, they said, um, all right, we're going to give you the opportunity to buy the company. Here's the, here's the paperwork. Here's the price. Have your lawyer look at it, but don't have him mark it up. Cause if he marks it up, we're not going to accept anything. Yeah. You either want it or you don't. If you do, great. If you don't, great. And we were like, all right, we're going to buy the company. <laughs> now, I had talked to a, a buddy of mine who was a CPA and gone through, because I had no idea about the numbers or yeah, how the right. business worked. I was an estimator. And, um, you know, he walked me through, this is how much you have to make, this and that. So we did it. We had a really good client those first couple of years. Um, so we walked into cash flow and um, here we are. Um, six years later yeah. this month. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it was hectic. I mean, you got all those family things. Amanda has been, you know, she was amazing through the whole thing. Her, the only thing she said is don't bankrupt her family. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I, don't, I think I can do that. Yeah. Maria said that to me. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. I mean, if things go right, <laughs> I had, I, I don't know if the FCC is listening here, but I had another mentor at Handler and Audi. He'd always be like, um, I'm going to give you, is it, I'm going to give you four words of advice. I'm like, all right, like we, you know, have a big project and put this bid together. He's like, you're doing great. He's like, I'm going to give you four words of advice. I'm like, all right, I'm ready. What are they? And he's like, don't fuck it up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> yep. Um, but you know, I've always been, you know, I, I thrive, I thrive on that pressure. I like being thrown into the fire and figuring out, I like, I'm not adverse to risk. Yeah. And I like betting on myself. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'll figure a way out. But I was just, you know, just I was talking to Andy again this morning about, you know, how's your week going, blah, blah, blah. And we were talking about you know, how that negative downward spiral is so quick, man, yeah. to grab you. Because I always, I always ask guys, you know, hey, you know, what do you think of the economy? You see a recession coming, what are you seeing? Right. And um, most people have rose colored glasses. Right. Um, and so we had a, we have a job we're getting ready to do and I needed a bond and I was talking to my bonding guy, insurance guy and great guy. And I said, Jack, what do you, what do you see in the economy? He goes, ah, there's going to be a reset. It's something's coming. Right. It's going to hit. Um, everybody I'm talking to, the bankers I'm talking to said, you know, be prepared guys like you, you're, you know, smaller companies got to be real careful. You got to navigate. Right. You can't, you know, you got to make sure you hold your cash, pay, don't pay these guys until you get paid. You got to be really strict. And it was yep. just like not a rosy picture. Yeah. And it was, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, you, you do got to think about the downfalls of running a business, but I try to not think about that too often. Yeah. So yesterday I was thinking about, it, I'm like, man, I got, what do I got to do? I'm, you know, right. We've never weathered one. I've never weathered one. Right. And, and uh, 
I was sort of going like in that negative downward spiral. And yeah. I was like, play the scenarios out. All right. First of all, it's not here yet. Right. <laughs> like I'm not even for sure it's going to happen. I think one is going to happen, but, yep. um, you know, this, so this will be a learning opportunity, right? Like yep. we'll figure it out. We'll get through it. We'll find yep. a way. Um, but it was quick, man, to start with those negative thoughts. So, um, but no, it's been, it's been great. Um, it's been, uh, we've been able to manage it. Like I said, um, we've, I've got really good people in place, yeah. which is the biggest thing. Yep. So I'm able to do things like this on a Friday. Yeah. Um, and you know, now that I'm in that position, I think a lot about, I mean, if the business ever went away or if we closed it or whatever, I'd be able to go do something else work, but I don't, I would not like it as much as I like it now. I mean, I like, I like having all the problems. I like solving them. I like being the guy to come to. Um, and it's, it's been a really, um, it's been a really great experience that I never really saw myself being in that position. Yeah. Um, and now that I'm there, I love it. And I don't know if I'd, be happy doing anything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's really cool. I mean, what an awesome experience for your kids to be able to grow up in a household where both parents are kind of doing something that they can say they love. Right. And, you know, an objective person could sit and say like, you guys were both kind of born to do what you're doing now and you're good at it. And And you you took a different path to get there. Right. Right. It wasn't like, um, a traditional path. Yeah. By any means. I mean, like right. I said, it took, I, I took a lot of time off of college before I went back and yep. sort of figured it out. Um, yeah, Amanda went back to school, totally changed careers. At, yeah. How old was she? <sighs> well, you're putting me on the spot now. Um, so Jack was just born, so 12 years ago. So she would have been. No, that can't be right. I'm 45. She's younger than me. So she was. Yeah, she was 30 something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, I, I try to tell people, I have this conversation with people all the time. It's like people think that restarting a career, tamed, you know, doing a 180 on what you're doing at 30, 35, it's like, oh, it's, it's too late to do that. It's like, too late for what? Like, you just get so comfortable in doing what you're doing. And it's like, you know, really, you can do anything you want. Right. Right. I mean, obviously, there's some financial constraints if you have those, but, you know, Overall, you, you can make it work. I mean, it's, right. it's your mindset. It's like yeah. same, same for me. Like when I came back to friendship, it was, I had a couple external factors that pushed me there, but you know, it was me who you, you have to make the commitment. Like right. it's, you have to decide this is what I'm going to do yep. and I'm going to do it. Right. And you, and I, I was telling Andy today and reflecting back on that journey and he said, he we were talking about starting. He said, if you ever reached out to Ellie and I said, no, I I never have. I said, I I probably should. And, um, he said, why? And I said, you know, it's funny when I started with her, I, um, it was just, I had this goal, right? Like I wanted to lose weight and she was at first step. And then Jeff was like, Oh, you're going to work out with Andy now. Yeah. And I said, at that point, I didn't give a shit who I was working with. Right. Because I was so focused on that goal that I was going to get there. I needed you guys to get me there. Right. But I was going to get there. Right. Um, and now that I think back on it, I feel like I should yeah. send her a note or something. Yeah. Like, hey, right. so you started me on this yeah. journey, but, yep. but it was that again, um, when you, I, I don't know, man, when people, I, I tell the kids this all the time, like 
when you make up your mind to do something like, right. and you're totally committed to it, right. you're going to do it. Yeah. Like you're going to find a way. Yep. And that's how, I mean, it's a uh, it, thinking grow rich is a, is a fantastic book that kind of talks about that. Tells all these amazing stories out of history and, you know, the turn of the century guys, you know, Rockefellers and Carnegie's and all those people are, they're all examples of that. They're all guys who are just, they came from nothing immigrants and from zero and just set their mind on like these insane ideas. And he kind of tells the story of, of each of them and, and talks about, you know, little things that they did. Like you said, I mean, there's so many people that I know that are my age that are on their third or fourth company and they, they restart with kind of a new company and, you know, you maybe get hired into a new position, but you're the new guy, you're the new guy, regardless of if you're the new guy at, you know, a management level or the new guy at a C-suite level or the new guy at the basement floor, you still have three to five year learning process to really get your head all the way around the the business. Right. Um, And you need to have people, you have to be willing, you have to be willing to reach out to people who are in your position or have done what you're doing to figure out how to do it. Right. Right. Like I'm very lucky to have, you know, both of the guys, um, Grant and Ed, who sold me the company are both around. Right. Uh, Ed still works with us. Yeah. Um, as, as my mentors, like yeah. they're built in mentors. So like when right. I have these issues, I, there's my answer right, right there. And if, and if they don't know, they're going to know who to tell me to go talk to. Right. That's invaluable. Like, right. Uh, you know, but if those. you leave, if you go to one of those other construction companies and they hire you on at 70 and they hire you on at this level, they're going to have expectations of you. And you might not even have the ability to go with them and say like, Hey, I need help here. Right. Um, cause they're going to hire you. Like, Dude, we're paying you 70 grand. You better, you better know. I say it all the time when right. I get kids coming out of, you know, Ohio state or Columbus state who say, and I'm very candid. Like, what do you, you know, what are your salary expectations? Right. Uh, the market's paying between 70 and 75. Right. How many projects have you ran? I, you know, I've worked on one when I was in an internship. Okay. Because in our company, yeah. if I'm going to pay you 70 grand, I'm going to hand you a set of documents and say, come back and tell me how much money you made me. Right. Are you, are you willing to do that? Are you ready to do that? Right. Well, no, I, I need some help. Yeah. Well then it's not a $70,000 position. Right. It's entry level. Yeah. It's an entry level position. Right. And I don't think people, you know, like I said, I, I was 12 bucks an hour when I right. started. Yeah. Take my the, dad, ch- take the chance, like yeah. bet on yourself. Right. Man. Like, so my dad is, is a shining example. He did the exact same thing. Works the same company 40 years. Um, and you know, you, you look at that and you're, you're spanning just decades. And then you start thinking about the relation. I mean, I've been with our team for two to five years, right? Um, obviously Maria was a part of the team when we were together, but nor was like Jenny when we were first meeting each other, but they came out eventually. So my relationship goes back a little bit further with them. But when I think about like, think about my dad's like, you, you've worked for these guys. You've had almost daily conversations for 30 years, you know, and had the same thing. Mentors, guys who own the business, who kind of stepped down and handed right. over the reins to him and another guy. And, um, you know, you start looking at that and it's just like, man, that's, that's a relationship that requires commitment from both people, from, from the owner, from you, from oh, yeah. a loyalty perspective and from, you know, a stick to And there's everybody over 30 or 40 years is going to have some really hard times, some decisions they don't agree with and right. some stuff that requires you to kind of stick with it. And, you know, I think, and my dad would tell you the same thing that you said, 
during hard times, there were guys who left. There were guys who jumped on a company who during a downfall or recession was maybe taking risks and being a little bit stupid with capital. Right. And these guys weren't. They buckled in and they stayed tight and right. they committed to me when everybody else was leaving. And, you know, over the long haul, then that allows you to have an opportunity like you had or an opportunity like my dad had. Um, and I think there's a huge lesson learned there. And I think it's going to be something I think it's interesting. It's hard to say with our the way our economy is now, how fast things move. You know, and how quickly I think that that pace of, you know, business is opening and business is closing and business is doing well and business is not doing well. I think some of that pace is, is changing so that, that might, it might be a different world now than it was, you know, eighties, nineties and two thousands or for my dad, you know, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. So I think it's, um, it's hard to say, but you know, I think just like you said, I, I definitely agree with that school of thought where, you know, making the decision in the short term to say, you know, I, this might require a little bit of sacrifice. Like I might not like over here, I might be able to make an extra 500 bucks a month or I might be able to make this and that's going to make things look better for my family. Um, you know, but I know these guys care about me. I know they're going to take care of me. That's what I was just going to say is like, you have to have someone who's just as invested in you right. as you are in their company. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, that loyalty piece, um, you know, my, my dad worked for the same company my whole life. Right. Yeah. And your dad's um, another example. And, same you know, thing. same like your dad. I mean, that's, that's what I know. And I'm, I mean, I went from bartending at Double Tree Guest Suites yep. to handling Rinaldi. Right. That's it. Right. Like before that, they were just like, you know, side, like part time or right. menial jobs. Right. Like my whole career has been with one company. Right. And I think that's great. And I think you have to, I mean, you have to be willing um, to go through those ups and downs. I mean, and, and it and it does make you better, right? It makes you better as a person. It makes you better as a leader to be able to have those experiences and lean on them yeah. uh, moving forward. And we have a guy, I mean, just like, I mean, you've built a great team, um, yeah. which I think is the hardest thing to do. Right. Um, I'm in the process of that. And I have a guy right now. Um that works with us. That was my first hire, um, right out of college. Ed did not want to hire him. My partner at the time didn't want to hire him. He just, he was an honest guy. I could tell like he had this work ethic. He was hungry. Um, and now he's going to have equity in the company. Right. Because that's how I, that's how I'm going to retain him. And, right. and it's so funny, like all the, the attorneys that we, that I've talked to and it's like, Hey man, it's, it's really hard to acquire the whole company. Right. It's really easy to give it away but once you give it away you can't get it back so right. you should think about doing these other things and i'm like right okay that's good advice but if this guy walks out the door tomorrow it's it's horrible for me right. like it be, the whole thing doesn't really fall apart but it's not right. it's not good right so why wouldn't i offer him that right. equity right and right. then maybe you know starting to think a little bit succession planning down the road right you know how when we bought the company my partner and i at the time and they basically manufactured that sale. Right. So that's something we're going to have to do. And that's, you know, they want someone who's loyal, right? right. That's why they picked me. They, that's why I'm picking this guy. And yep. I think that's a big, um, that's a big piece you don't see. And I don't know if that's, I don't want to, you know, people who jump, I don't want to say my cousin does it all the time. She goes from, you know, um, she's had a very, she's one of the most, probably the most successful woman I've, I know. And yeah. She's been with multiple different companies. And right. I think that's part of the game too. And right. I, 
you know, maybe some of those bigger corporations, that's what you see yeah. more and more. And, you know, I don't know which one's right, which one's wrong. Yeah. I know yeah. I mean, I think me. it fits, I was going to say, I think it fits personality. I think that's what yeah. a lot of it is too, is, um, you know, I know for me, like there were times in life where I was like, I wanted to change the scenery. I needed to change the scenery and I looked forward to that. Um, and so I always get that, but th- I think these are all things like I try now as much as I can, um, you know, to talk with the team about, about how we as a business can move forward to get, be able to offer a change of scenery, be able yeah. to offer, um, you know, opportunities to purchase in business and stay with us and grow and build and those kinds of things and hopefully get them, you know, excited about that if they, if they want it and if they're perfectly happy, great. Yeah, but you give them also the platform to, you know, Hey, what, what do you see? Is, what can we do to be better? Like right. they, they're integral parts of the business. Right. And, right. And, making you guys successful. Right. And I mean, I think, you know, the, the funny thing about teams is there's so much now there's, so, there's like six or seven gyms in Columbus closing right now and had conversations with kind of each of them. And, you know, you just kind of pay attention to what they're saying and kind of what some of the causes were, what some of the things that happened were. And it's so interesting how, how when you can kind of pinpoint the downward spiral starting and i think a lot of times you can hear it from the person but they don't necessarily see it yeah and a lot of times it's sometimes it's stuff it's like it's maybe not luck bad luck right like you don't want to say it's bad luck but it's like you know a coach or yeah usually i would say almost every one of them is a coach made a decision and that decision then started sort of this downward spiral that the person couldn't find their way out of. And they started to get super negative about the business as an owner. And once you start being super negative about your business, then the business starts struggling. Right. And, and that was it. And it's like, sometimes, you know, it was two coaches. Sometimes it was one coach. And I understand that. Cause we had that, you know, we had that with Jay, we had that with Tom and, um, you know, one or two decisions where you're just like, man, like, uh, that, that decision is not going to be good for me. Right. And you have a decision point and then it's how you respond to that decision or how you respond to those things. Um, and you know, the series of decisions that follow, but it is crazy to see how, you know, just something like, you know, that dude, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to walk. Right. And then go. And then if you let in your head, if you think, Oh, the business is really going to struggle because of that, Right. You know, now, now we've got to play catch up now, this and now that, and then that starts this downward. That's why that stuff is so important. And it's not mumbo jumbo, man, because it really, I mean, that downward spiral is a real thing. Right. man. I mean, and it doesn't take, that's the thing I find most interesting about downward spirals. I'm for the most part, I mean, you've known me for a while now. I'm, I'm 99% happy all the time. Um, Amanda always, not so much anymore, but she always would get mad at me. She'd have, you know, an issue or something. And I'd, I'd be like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And she's like, well, how do you know it's going to be okay? You know, that's like, the number one trait of, entre- of like big business owners, entrepreneurs that they say is the most important. Um, I think they call it, um, they say it's like the, um, a positive outlook on the future. Like they yeah. have an optimistic outlook on the future. Um, and, and like, that's, that's it. Like, that's what, that's what it takes a lot of times. To, to me, that's so, I mean, that makes so much sense because yep. if you don't have that, there's too many pitfalls, yep. um, ups and downs yep. to where if you don't have that positive outlook, yep. I, I don't know how you make it through. Right. I mean, again, we were just talking about, um, they don't, I mean, I talk to these owners, they don't. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got to have that. And, um, like I said, Amanda always says, how do you know it's going to be okay? And I'm like, well, I, there's two, I, I could either say it's going to be okay and believe that, 
or I could go sit in the corner and cry. Right. I always what, say, cause I'll make it. Okay. Right. Like, and that's a great thing to say, right. like, cause you won't, you'll figure out a way. Right. And it's in, and it might not be easy. Right. Right. It might be a struggle, but you'll figure it out yep. somehow yep. because you always have in the past, like you're relying right. on that past experience. Yep. But yeah. It's uh yeah, you got to stay positive, man. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up there. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's fantastic. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. I think oh, you're thanks for having one me, of man. the most, if not the most kind of inspiring person that we have in the facility, oh, please. just There's, in terms yeah. of, I would say all of it. Like, I think you're, um, you know, you're an open person to talk to, which I think is fantastic. I think you have a lot of wisdom to share both in, in parenting, in health and fitness, um, and, you know, in, in business and just kind of life outlook from that positivity standpoint, which is, you know, I always think is like, again, when we think about the friendship community, like, you know, people who are in it and say like, oh, you know, it's so supportive. It's got this great community. It's so helpful. It's like, but you having that inside the community, it's like the conglomeration of multiple people like that, that kind of creates that. So I always really appreciate it and appreciate um, you spending the time on a Friday, man. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, creating such a good environment for, yes. uh, for a podcast and for, and for uh friendship, man. I think it's, um, it's, it's changed my life. Um, and, uh, I will always be grateful for it. So thank you. All right. So now we're going to wrap up, even though that was sort of the wrap up of the podcast, uh, we're going to jump back a little bit and discuss a little bit what it's like in being in a household to grow up with Cleveland sports and in Ohio and what that feels like and what it's like for Sean to pass down that same thing to his kids and just a little bit about why we love sports as a distraction and how we've grown and matured as Cleveland sports fans over the years. Yeah. But he handed down the Cleveland Browns to you, which has now been handed down to Jack. That was probably the worst thing he ever did. And that's why I didn't mention it. Um, and that's funny because my dad is, he doesn't, when the Browns left, he was done with football. Really? Yeah. He's, he doesn't watch them. Just this year, we were going to the home opener and I was, I was talking to him. I was like, so excited. And he's laughing in my face. He's like, when will you learn? He's yeah, like, they're right. going to lose that game. And I'm right. like, they're not going to lose yeah. that game. Yeah. <laughs> and they lost that game. I love, there's nothing more exciting to me. Like I love talking to Al when we do, uh, we do, uh, you know, Brown's, uh, therapy Mondays after losses. And, uh, and you just see these guys who burn Brown's fans for like 50, 60 years. And they're just, all of them are that same, like, it's like, will you learn? They're not going to do <laughs> right. shit. Like it's just they, right. they, 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 any hope, any opt, any youthful optimism that you still retain, they're not going to even accept for a second. It's so funny, man. We had my partner had um, season Browns tickets when we bought the company. The company bought them, and so we literally, until they drafted Baker, we couldn't give these tickets away. Yeah, and so it comes to the draft when they get Baker. They draft Baker and I'm like, I'm done. Right. I'm out. Get yeah. rid of these tickets. We yeah. can't give them away. Clients don't want to go. We go up there, spend our whole Sunday. I'm miserable for the rest of the week. Yep. I'm done. Those first couple of Tarot games were so hard to watch. Too. And uh, my partner at the time was like, just one more year, one more year. And I'm yeah. like, no, no. He's like, one more year. I go, I'll tell you what, if they, if they upgrade our seats, we get closer to like the 50 yard line. I'll do it. So they eventually do it and um, 
you know, get there last year. And it was in four years of the games that I had gone to last year was the first time that I saw a, a win at that stadium. Yeah, I still haven't. I, oh, I you, you still haven't? That's right. Cause yeah, we lost Rams to the Rams, lost to the Titans. Titans. I think I'm over oh, 05, maybe. Yeah, you probably shouldn't go anymore. I know. I'm, I am like, I'm kind of superstitious like that, like in a weird way. I feel superstition and I try to talk myself out of it so much. Um, no, nothing worse than uh, game seven Indians. Oh. And I'm sitting there and like I had sat in like this one spot, but I had to go up and tell Maria because I was coaching 530 a.m. the next day. And that game's, I mean, it's 1 a.m. You're talking about the cup, the most recent, the yeah, Cubs game, right. the rain yeah. game. Yeah. And, and they go into the delay somewhere probably around midnight, maybe. And, um, and and I had been like really diligently like sitting in this in this one spot and like and like doing the same thing with like okay like after every at bat like check text messages go here put phone down watch the next at bat and like was doing all this stuff like really diligently I was so into it but I had to go up basically and tell Maria like okay you need to coach the morning classes for me because I'm basically gonna get like two hours of sleep and be a zombie and if we lose, like I'm going to be in a really bad mood and super grumpy. And so like I go up and I wake her up and she's just like, what the fuck is going on? She had no idea. And and I mean, obviously like it, those are the things where it's like she stepped up and you know, it always makes you love her. And obviously we lost and that was super depressing. But, um, but that game baseball for me was always super superstitious like that. Like I always was like, you know, and you grow up with like rally caps. Like I yeah. played baseball, so you grow up with all these weird superstitions and all this stuff that you do. I just, I mean, being a lifelong Browns fan, Indians fan, Cavs fan, it just always amazes me that how they lose or the situations they find themselves in. Like, yeah. like you can't, like you can't make that up. No, and like, I don't know if you shared the same thing as me when we when the Cavs won. There was literally like this. You like you don't even accept it. You're I was standing in front of the TV, going, "They're going to win this game." Yeah, like right. they they won this game. Right, that's what I was like. I couldn't too. believe it. And and again, even that victory was so unlikely. Right, but and and I'm going to dive a little more into sports here. But that play, like, and a lot of people always say, like, LeBron James didn't have that killer instinct. Yeah. Um and and I sort of agree to that to a point. Like he wasn't like Kobe or Michael. Right. But that chase down yeah. block, yeah. that play reminded me of, um, uh, was it 2002, the Maurice Claret? Yeah, the way he chased down and stripped the dude from behind. Was it Sean Springs? Maybe I can't yeah. remember who it was. Where he, where he, everybody always said, and Maurice Claret being from Youngstown, yeah. sort of always followed him, knew his trials and tribulations there. And um, everyone always said he was a cancer. But man, you don't make a play like that. Yeah. I mean, that's all heart. Right. Right. Like that's a love of the game type play where like, how many times do you ever see a running back fumble and ever get up to make the tackle, let alone strip, strip the him ball? and get it back. Right. I mean, that play right there was in my, I mean, my opinion was the defining, that was the play of that game. Right. That, that was one of the reasons they won. Yeah. But, between yeah. Kyrie's fade away and that, and that block, like, I don't know which one I kind of freaked out at more. Uh, I get so like I get so into those games like I'm so I'm like screaming and like it freaks blitz out she like loses her mind like with me uh, actually the biggest example of that uh, now we're going down a rabbit hole but right the Iron Bowl Auburn versus Alabama and out Ohio State's on the outside looking in to the playoff and 
Auburn has to beat Alabama. Basically, like something had to happen there for one of these teams, like to not make it. And Alabama goes for that last second field goal for like from like fifty three or fifty four, and it comes up short, and the dude returns it for a touchdown. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like am losing my mind, <laughs> like freaking out. It was. I mean, it was also probably one of the coolest moments in sports. It's still probably my favorite moment in sports to go back and watch because it's at Auburn. And it's like, I mean, it's Alabama and all oh, they, they want to beat him so bad. And, and to lose like that. Um, and you just, I mean, the, the fans, like, everyone's just going fucking nuts. The call, right. the call is incredible. The dude kills the call. <laughs> right. Um, and if you listen to like the radio call, dude kills that. And, um, and then the best part, the best YouTube videos are the ones that have all the Alabama fans reactions <laughs> and they're like breaking TVs and throwing stuff. And I just like, I like live off of that. It's so, it's so fun for me, but, um, but blitz when I'm losing my mind like that, she starts like, she starts thinking some, something's wrong. Yeah, she, well, or she starts like attacking me. She gets like, <laughs> she gets excited and animated about it too. It's so funny to watch her. And so now every Sunday with the Browns, which I took, um, I took 2000, what would that have been? 2015, 16. Um, I watched a couple of those first games and I think that was the, so we drafted Manziel, which I was furious about and because I hated Manziel. I just hated him. I hated everything he stood for, and I hated him in college. And we would, when we trade and draft him in the first round, I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And uh, and then he starts playing. He's a train wreck. And so I just go. I, I was like, I'm not even going to watch this team. I'm not even going to worry about it. And so I took basically two years off of watching it and watching it intently. Um, and then last year I would go to my dad's, uh, to watch CS Sunday ticket. And, um, so we'd go over there and I'd watch it every day. So now last week was probably one of the first games I've watched at home in probably five years. So Maria hasn't seen me really be that into sports. And now granted we played great last week, right. but, um, but definitely one of those things where it's like, man, when they start playing bad and I'm here, like blitz gets, like, she's like on edge. Well, it's funny. I was, you talk about like the emotion, um, that is tied with watching your favorite sports teams, right? Yeah. Like I, I mean, I grew up through, I grew up watching a lot of Notre Dame football. It was the Lou Holtz era. Yep. Um, my dad always tells a story that he lost. He lost it. Um, when Jim Plunkett was the quarterback of Stanford and I forget who the quarterback of Ohio state was then, but he said he, it was a Rose bowl. Ohio state was supposed to bury him. He said, I lost so much money on that game. I had to go to the credit union and take out a loan to pay my bookie. Oh my God. So like he was on this, like growing up, he didn't like Ohio state. Right. So we always watched Notre Dame and it was great because it was the Lou Holtz era. They were really good. Amazing. And, um, so it was always like, we always watched Notre Dame and of course the Browns, the Indians. Um, and I remember even like after some of those Browns playoff games, like, you know, I remember red, right. 88. Yeah. Um, against Oakland. I remember, um, the fumble, like I remember my dad just like getting up and leaving the house. Yeah. And, like he just, he just walked around. Me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I, I mean, like years later, I was like, well, I was like, I was why saying. did, why did you do that? He goes, because I was going to, I was going to beat somebody. Right, like yeah, I was exactly. like, I had to get right. out of there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, you talk about the emotion and I would be like that once I went to Ohio state, especially during the Cooper years, like, yeah. It would be horrible watching them lose and right. then Browns. I'd be miserable, right? I'd be miserable for that whole week until the next week's games. Yep. And um, I can't remember exactly what game it was, but it's when the kids were born, 
and I was probably watching the Browns, I'm sure. And just being so emotionally invested in them yeah. and just getting your heart ripped out yeah. week in and week out. Probably Bottlegate. Yeah. And, and uh, I just, when you go back and watch that on YouTube now <laughs> with like how advanced replay stuff is now, when you watch it, like you don't realize that's like the first year of replay and you go back and watch and you're just like, it's, I, I still get like the same anger I had back then. Cause it was like, that's what cost us our playoff run right that year. Um, and it, it was, it was literally like that only happens to Cleveland. Like you just, it, they just got raw. I mean, it's almost as egregious as like that Rams uh, he, Saints last year. He, all like, that pass interference. Yeah. yeah, you can't. I mean, like I said, you can't make some of that stuff up with Cleveland. But yeah. since I've had kids, I've become. I'm definitely invested. Definitely love the Browns, but I refuse to let it ruin my week. Right. Like when it's over, it's over. Now I say that, and I was telling you last week, I was. Um, we were at home. We just got back from a soccer game. Browns win the toss. Yep. They elect to receive. Yep. They go three and out. And I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Like right. I went outside and I just started. I listened to Jimmy Donovan yep. on the call, but I was like, really? You're yeah. going to, you're going to take the, you're going to, yeah. like, you have something up your sleeve, like, right? You're going to drive down that and score out a touchdown. Right? That out yeah, was I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, so, I'm still invested, obviously, emotionally, but I don't let it ruin my week anymore. Yeah, it's... I can't. It's definitely like, you know, I always think it's funny because Maria, I mean, she couldn't care less about any sports at all. Um, you know, and I think she's always interested because I'm, you know, generally a calm, sane, rational person. Right. Um you know, but what I always tell her is like, I, you know, Gary B actually did a big thing talking about this because I think he's kind of that same way. Like he's this, he's this big voice, he's got this huge following. He's a, you know, really successful businessman and you know, generally seems to have his shit really together. But he fully admits that he loses his shit when it comes to Jets football <laughs> and he goes to every game. He stays to the end, no matter what, like he talks shit um, and all this stuff. And he goes, you know, it's really good to have kind of something in your life that you're willing to be that like, irrational just yeah, it, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, ever since, and he did, he did a podcast talking about it. Um, but he's just totally unapologetic about it. And I always kind of thought like, yeah, like it is, it is kind of fun to even, even as a Browns fan, like that feeling of getting like your heart ripped out, like dealing with that and that feeling of like the elation. And when you go through that and then it wins, I think it's such a fantastic distraction to all the serious crap that we've got going on all the time. And that's what sports is supposed right. to be. Right. And so. that, and I still think watching the Browns this year, and you might feel the same, like I know they're a good team, yeah. but I still don't believe it. Like, right. I was surprised they won how they won last week. Right. Um, I was also surprised maybe that they lost to the Rams because maybe deep down I thought they were going to win that game. But going into San Francisco this week, I'm not. Are you confident? The Rams could be one and four, man. Do you watch that game last night? They're horrible. They're not good. I was going to text you last night. They played like like trash against us. We absolutely should have won that game. We were, we were, and especially like at home, their West Coast team traveling. But they should have won. I mean, they could have, they should have won that game last night. Right. I mean, one of the best kickers in the league misses, uh, was, I don't even know how far. Goff's just not good. Period. He played. Terrible against and us. I, I, you it's probably noticed it in that game. Like he missed some wide open right. balls. The Cooper Cup is basically saving that team. 
He had 18 targets last night. You start looking at it and you're just like, yeah, so they're not good. But yeah, same thing, you know, looking at San Francisco this week, it's like, okay, so we're the East Coast team. We're traveling to the West Coast and it's a primetime game. It's on a Monday. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's They're it, coming off a of bye week, right? Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, could be good, could be bad. I still don't. I actually think they're they're a lot like the Browns. I don't think that like I, I don't think they're that good of right. a football team. I don't think they're an undefeated football team for sure. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Um, I'm definitely not sold on Garoppolo, but are you sold on Baker? No, I don't know. I, so that's the hard question. So I bet. So when we drafted Baker, so here's my thing with Baker and everyone gives me a lot of shit about this, right? Cause obviously like he had a great rookie year. Everyone gives me so much shit. Cause, um, you know, I was in this, I was in the super negative boat and I was just like, you know, it's just another Whedon. It's another Manziel. It's another Quinn. It's another like guys, when are you going to learn? And, and so, you know, my thought that draft to me, and I actually still feel this way, even with how good Chubb is and how good Baker is and how good Ward is when he plays. I still think that draft, I still think you go Saquon at one and Baker at four. And, and then I think you can get, whoever in the second round is a corner. Um, and I still think I, to the, to the day I die, I'll still believe unless Saquon somehow ends up not being as legendary as yeah. it actually looks. And so, um, so I bet Mitchell after that draft, I go, he'll be out of the league in five years. And Baker Baker. Yeah. I go, he'll be out of the league in five years. And so he has this great rookie year. And so Mitchell's all fired up cause he's going to win the bet. So I bet Mitchell, um, burritos for a week for me or free t-shirts, free friendship t-shirts for a year for him. So he gets all the t-shirts nice. that we make and he, he gets, gets one of all of them. And, um, and so after last year, he's like, you ready to pay up? I'm like, oh, five years is a long time, man. He's like, we'll see. <laughs> and he starts the year like garbage. And after the Rams game, I, I text Mitchell and I go, bet's alive and well. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I don't know. I ebb and flow. It's, uh, it's definitely one of those things where like you, uh, yeah, it's yeah, you try so hard to be optimistic about it, but yeah, I mean, I I was in the same boat as you when they drafted him. We were coming home from somewhere, and Amanda, like, we were listening to the draft on the radio, and Amanda was filming me. And when they drafted, when they drafted um, Baker, I was like, my jaw just dropped. Like, I couldn't believe it. Right, I sort of knew. Yeah. I, I had a feeling, but man, I just couldn't believe it. And uh, I didn't like the guy. I yeah. thought he was a good quarterback. Thought he was a competitor. I didn't hard like, for Buckeye fans. After I had that, planning the flag thing. Right. I mean, just like who, like I hate that. Sh- I just right. don't like that stuff. Like, yep. um, was it Lou Holtz who had the, you know, when you score a touchdown, act like you've been there before right. type yeah. thing. Terry McCorn. But yeah. I love, I mean, now that we have Baker on our, our team, like I love watching him run right. down, throwing yeah. his arms up next to each other. But I think, you know, Saquon, is um, a stud, and I don't. I haven't followed him this year, so I don't know how he's doing. I mean, I know Danny he's Danny, now. Danny Dimes is in there. Yeah, um, he's in, he's out for okay. probably eight weeks. So he has a high, either broken neck or high ankle sprain. But Nick Chubb is real close yeah. to leading the league right. in rushing. I think right. he's like the three or four right now. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't know, man. For some reason, and I don't know enough about him. I didn't follow him at Georgia, right? Georgia is where he yep. played. Um, he just seems like that type of guy that everybody loves. Right. Shut your mouth and yep. go to work. Right. And he, I think he had that comment, um, uh, after the game this week where he said, you know, after the Rams, 
Like I, we weren't going to lose again. I right. was going to do whatever I had to do. Yep. And man, he looked good. Oh, yeah. And there were some big holes, big gashes, but I just, I like that guy, man. Right. I just feel like he's going to be a workhorse, not, yeah, you right. know, right. not get injured. Um, well, and so, yeah, that's the crazy part. So him at Georgia, he did get injured. I think is whatever is he had a sophomore, big, junior big year. injury. Yeah. Right? And, and Sonia Michelle popped in for yeah. him, I think, and then became kind of the guy. But Chubb was, when he came back was a stud. But this is the thing that's so crazy. When you go back, if you go back and look at the combine that year, Saquon was the highlight of the show, right? He had the fastest 40, the highest vertical, the longest broad jump, the best agility drills and cone drills. And like everyone's looking at this guy like, holy crap, like this dude's on a totally different level. Um, You know, and every year with the draft, like you usually get one of those guys, like Miles Garrett was kind of that guy too, where you're just like, this dude's like on a whole different athletic level. Um, And so he, you know, and Saquon on on the field, also was that way. I mean, you watch him at Penn State, you're just like, dude, this guy's playing a right. different game than everybody else. Right. And and so he just got all the talk. But when you if you were to take him out and not, like look at just Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb compared to like Zeke and every every running back over the last twenty years was better across the board. So he's like he ran like a four three nine and and Saquon runs a four three seven. He jumps forty one inches and Saquon jumps forty two. Like he does um like a ten two broad jump and Saquon does a ten three. Like right. it's just like these little tiny like just I mean right there. Yeah, luck of the draw. I mean it's just like, you know, it's like ah oh, if he had one less bite of cereal this morning, like he would have right. you know. And so um so they just these minor differences and that that knocks him back a full round and and then you just get lucky. So well, then it comes down to mindset and work ethic, right? Right. Like yep. it's going to work harder. Right. Well, an injury too. I think at some, right. at some point in the NFL, right. if you're running back, a lot of it's just kind of luck at the draw. Right. Um, to put together an eight or 10 year career at running back right. in this league is almost impossible. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're right though. It's fun listening to <laughs> the Browns put his mic'd up and they go, uh, you know, Nick Chubb trash talking highlight reel. And it's just, he doesn't right. say anything. Right. It's like, Silence. why'd you even put a mic on him? He doesn't right. even say anything. So yeah. Yeah. It cracks me up. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's been fun, you know, this year, I think what's cool. One of the, my favorite things about sports too, is um, you know, how God brings guys together at the gym. And so I, you know, I think without it probably, um, you know, I don't know how much you'd know Tim or yeah, maybe I mean, Andrew or yeah. some of these guys. Well, I've got to know them a little bit. Um, you know, they work out sometimes at the same time I do at five thirty. Um, I know Andrew's a big Notre Dame fan. Yeah, we've connected on that a little bit. Yep. And I know Tim for a while now. Big, big Browns guy. Yeah, Cleveland guy. Yeah. Yep. And it's and it's great getting to to talk to um, to talk to those guys about Cleveland sports and getting everybody's um, thoughts one about the year. But you know, you sort of you, you're connected by that, right? Woe is woe right. is us, right? You know that mentality, and it's going to be interesting, man. When you know the Cavs winning was great, but you know if you had to rank them, you have the Cavs are in the basement. Oh yeah, that's that's great. We want to LeBron's great hometown kid, love it. Indians won a World Series, amazing, right? Browns won a Super Bowl, and everybody says it like the city burns down, right? I mean, I mean we talk Amanda and I talk about it all the time because Amanda's Amanda's probably just as big or bigger Browns fan than I am. Yeah. And she's still the person like if they lose on Sunday, her week is trashed. Like she yeah. can't get over it. Yeah. Um, but we talk all the time about, you know, if the Browns go to the Super Bowl, are we going? Yeah. I don't know if we will, but uh, one of us will. Yeah. It probably won't be me. Right. Um, well, that was Kristen Christman with the Eagles. Right. And so the Eagles, I mean, from a franchise perspective, really, I mean, maybe haven't had as many struggles, but they had 
decades of being terrible. Right. And, uh, you know, Kristen grew up and just die hard Eagles fan. And so when they make the Super Bowl, like I'm sitting there watching the NFC championship game with her and immediately I'm like looking at him like, what are you going to do? And so they had some trip planned. It was like her and Grant and, and she's on her phone. She's looking for tickets. Her and her dad are going to go. So they end up going and her favorite like like end of the world dropping musical artist is Justin Timberlake. Well, Justin oh, Timberlake's gonna be the halftime show. Nice. And so it's like all these things just start rolling together for her. And uh, you know, so they end up going. It's the same thing, you know, who knows? They spend a, a boatload of money on it and um, you know, have to cancel their other flights, have to cancel their other trip and do all this different stuff. Um and I think if you were talking to her about it now, and obviously they won. Yeah. Um, but and one of the greatest plays ever right. of all oh, time, the, yeah, the Philly I mean, special. I was, was going like, to you get, you get a super dramatic right. win too. Um, and, and, you know, I think she would tell you like, you're not even going to think about the the money, you know, right. five or 10 years from now. I was just to go with my dad and that opportunity and, and that it's, kind of stuff. It's you know, what's, so you know, what's funny too, you know, you were talking about kids earlier is, um, Maggie can give two craps about sports. Like first Buckeye game we ever went to, she was sitting on the ground playing with Legos, and I was like, "We've paid seventy dollars to get her in the gate right. to play with Legos." Yeah, we were talking about, that. <laughs> and like, you see it, you see it all the time, right? Right, and you know. Jack loves it. He's totally into it. His first Browns jersey, by the way, was a Manziel jersey. Oh, I was horrible. I hated Ugh. watching him walk around that thing. But um, he, you know, he's had the. I mean, he saw LeBron. I mean, yeah. he he's we've been to Cavs games. Amanda took the kids to the parade. Like he's he's been down there. He's seen Indians playing a game seven. They've been awesome. You know, his whole yeah. life basically. Yeah. They've, they've been good. Um, he doesn't know what it's like to lose to Michigan. Right. Right. I know. Yeah. That's, and that's to, and to think to about, and like now the Browns are good. Right. So thinking about like how I grew up watching sports right. and what he's getting to see now, like yeah. how disappointed is he going to be? Right. If Ryan Diggs, the pros are no, like, yeah, right. like Ohio state's not this dominant program where they're blowing Michigan out yeah. every year. Or you get some, you know, fluke year, like, like this year we look like world beaters. Then you get some Tim Biakabatuka year and you, right. you just like lose one. I mean, I don't even want to talk about that, but you like, you just think about that and you're just like, Oh, that was earth shattering. Um, cause that team, that might be the best Buckeye team of all time. And yeah. you start looking at that and you're like, in that that team didn't go to the Rose Bowl, didn't win the right. national championship. Um, and so I think those are the those are the things. Yeah. I mean, I definitely grew up, so I was a huge baseball fan, huge Indians fan in the nineties, and they were great pretty much for that entire stretch. Yeah. And so my dad's company got season tickets. Nobody ever wanted them because they were a Columbus based company. And they're a St. Louis so their their headquarters St. Louis. A lot of the guys are huge Cardinals fans right. and St. Louis fans. And um, you know, they're moving up to Columbus and Columbus really doesn't have a connection to the Indians for the mm-hmm. most part and so he's got these great seats from the company and nobody ever wants them so and i'm huge into baseball at this point so we start going up to games all over the place in that 97 year we went to i think we went to one of the world series games or maybe he went and um you know we're watching all of them he's keeping me up yeah. late night and stuff and 
you know, that, that was fantastic, but same thing, like, you know, so my brother becomes kind of a fair weather fan, right? So he's, he loves the bulls. He loves the cowboys. He loves, uh, and, and I'm just like, there's no, and so uh, he likes to say, uh, now he likes to say, well, I was born in Dallas. I go, dude, we moved when you were four. <laughs> you have no connection to Dallas. Right. What about right. Chicago? Oh, well, my grandma lives in Chicago. Yeah. I'm like, dude, right. You're so full of shit. We grew right. up in the same house. Like, get out of here. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it's interesting thinking about that, but you know, you think about growing up, we didn't have good teams to watch in right. a huge stretch of our most impressionable years. The Browns weren't even playing football. And so, um, you know, I, I think those kids growing up with great Cleveland sports, if they are going to be great, it's going to be interesting. But it, you, it drives everything. It drives it drives youth football. Right. With Ohio State being great and the Browns being great, drives youth football. Because right. that's like my nephew now. It's like, you know, he's not wearing, um, you know, like a like an Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders jersey. You know, he's wearing Beckham jerseys. Right. Um, you know, or, you know, same thing. He's wearing Buckeye jerseys. Right. And... You know, with the Cavs being bad and Ohio State basketball being generally pretty bad, he's got no interest in playing basketball. Right. And you're just like, so I think that stuff's super interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, the the Buckeyes will probably be good this year in basketball, but the Cavs are not going to be good for sure. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, the first couple years of us having Browns tickets, um, you know, Jack wanted to go see the Browns play the Cowboys because Zeke was playing. For yeah. Him. And he would go because of, you know, whatever athlete was there. Right. And there was a time where he said, um, could I, do I have to root for the Browns? Right. And I said, I'll give you one chance to pick a team. It can't be an AFC North team. Right. But think long and hard about it because once you make the switch, yeah. you're never coming back. Right. Yeah. Um, because he has, I mean, he has a ton of buddies who like the Cowboys, and I'm sure it's the Zeke connection. Yeah, he has a ton of buddies who are Patriots fans, uh, and I am merciless with these 12 year old boys, yeah, like right. same as you. Like, yep. why? Yeah, what's your connection to him? Yeah, right. Um, but he stuck with the Browns, um, and now it's hopefully we'll see if it's going to be a golden era, right? Of well, it's interesting too. I mean, I always try to be now be of a, as objective of and entertain so i love watching the saints because they've got so many buckeyes um you know i'll watch i actually don't like i like zeke but i don't watch uh i won't watch the cowboys but i will tell you right now um those first couple weeks watching tom brady play and watching patrick mahomes play honestly i'm just a fan like just watching football play at that level is just i mean when we i remember going to that game um when the browns played the cowboys and um literally half the stadium or more were Cowboys fans. And I was just disgusted, right? Because yeah. that's where the opposing fans would go. Um, cause it was a cheap ticket, yeah. <laughs> right? Easy to get. Yep. Um, and they remember, do it everywhere though. That's right. what my dad always used to say, we beg, we, we cross our fingers with Packers season tickets that we play the Cowboys in like December. It goes because you can make back your entire season ticket price on Cowboys fans because they'll all travel up there and pay a ton for them. Well, that I remember watching that Browns game. We may have talked about this um, and seeing Zeke just torch the Browns defense, which wasn't good at the time, and thinking, man, here's Ohio State's 160 miles away of that, 150 miles. Like, the amount of – like, why aren't we – building a fence right. around that university right. and drafting all these guys. Right. Now they did it with Ward, um, which was 
we'll see how that pans out. But even, I mean, even coaching wise, like going up to that Tennessee game. Oh, the worst pick of all time. I think we've going to be ready for this game. Like is, is we, you pass on Malik Hooker and you draft your peppers. Yeah. And right. Every, every Buckeyes fan is sitting there going, what? Right. You're going to, pass on right. have you seen Malik Hooker play right. I thought that was a done I thought that there was that was going to happen 100% going to happen right I was shocked so yeah so not only did they go away from the Ohio State players right. they go to the guy who's planting the flag right. in the middle of the shoe they yeah. go to the Michigan player my favorite uh my favorite Twitter follow is arrogant Urban Meyer <laughs> and uh I think they have they have an arrogant um Jack Dorsey, I think, too. Okay. Um, but uh, Arrogant Urban Meyer always posts stuff, and he posted one the other day. Um, and it was, I can't remember the Ohio State corner this past week, um, but it was Akuda or somebody. Yeah, I think it goes, it goes Akuda, second quarter, Nebraska game, two interceptions. Jabril Prepper's entire Michigan <laughs> career, right. one interception. <laughs> right. It's just like, you get that stuff. It's so funny. That's, yeah. It, yeah. it made, uh, you know, just looking at all those players, like you said, the, um, the Cowboys love the Buckeyes. Yeah. The Saints definitely love the Buckeyes. For sure. Why don't the Browns love yeah. the Buckeyes? I don't know. Well, in words, yeah, it just seems injury prone at this point. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we went super long on, yeah. uh, on, on sports Browns. stuff. So yeah. we'll see, <laughs> see where people listen.